Do you want to get smarter about your health but feel overwhelmed trying to separate fact from fiction? Well, I deeply understand that, and that's why I want to find a source that we both could trust, you and me, and I found this podcast. So let me introduce you to the Zoe Science and Nutrition Podcast. With the help of world-leading scientists, they help you make smarter, healthier choices every single week. And don't just take my word for it. (laughs) Avid podcast fan Joanne's Apple Review says this. Joanne's Apple Review says, Zoe Science and Nutrition is always informative and always understandable. And that she's definitely a healthier person listening to this and following Zoe's advice, which I love. We love sources that you can trust. And if you're ready to join millions of others like Joanne, transforming their health and like me, then search for Zoe Science and Nutrition wherever you listen to your podcast. I promise you will not regret it. It is an awesome show and I've learned so much from it. Go check it out. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Can we talk about this addiction to adrenaline? There is a withdrawal period. Your brain is literally waiting like, hello, hello, where is the adrenaline? And then the pattern comes in to start creating situations for adrenaline. Yeah. Ignore every single story, mental judgment, narrative you have about what's going on in the body. It is always doing its best. The body is always right. I think that's something that Gina and I keep coming back to is my body is not wrong. Right, but we have been, never lies. we have learned to pathologize everything that the body does and make it a problem and medicate for this problem, right? Whereas it's really intelligent. There's a divine intelligence happening yes. within the body. It knows how to recalibrate. And frankly, it has to tell us to stop acting in this way and cause all these problems. Otherwise, we wouldn't listen. I think we can all relate to the feeling of trying to reprogram our minds and our bodies to step out of fight and flight and step into a place of deeper peace, deeper intuition, deeper understanding while giving yourself grace along the journey. And today I have the perfect squad to talk about this. It's truly a squad. We have just been chatting for like the last half an hour because these two women are absolutely fucking brilliant i knew immediately since i saw the two of them together that i wanted to have them on my podcast i wanted to have them on skinny dipping to talk to you guys to bring the insight the conversations the knowledge that we so deeply need in this world and i was listening to some episodes of their podcast spiraling spiraling higher the other day and just reviewing for this episode today and i was blown away by their brilliance and their synchronicities, the way that they flow together, the way that they balance each other out. They have so much to offer the world through both knowledge and experience. And I feel like that's why they're the perfect people to come on the podcast today. I feel like this topic of fight or flight and adrenaline and Oh, just like the way that our bodies respond when we begin to slow down and when we begin to heal ourselves is so prominent in my life right now. And I literally already feel 
the throat chakra closing because it feels personal for me, this topic. So personal, so deep, because I've been experiencing this in my own life. So I'm excited to learn today. I'm excited to grow today. I'm excited to evolve today. Guys, this is Skinny Dipping, the podcast where we talk about the mind, the body, and the soul in order to create actionable change in our lives. We can talk about theory all day, and we can dive into the theory of things, but how do we actionably like step into the highest version of ourselves and heal ourselves deeper? Skinny Dipping, without further introduction, the duo of all duos, the most beautiful women. I'm like loving looking at their smiles right now. I'm like, y'all are beautiful as fuck. Grateful to have you guys. Skinny Dipping, meet Sam and Gina from Spiraling Higher. Welcome, guys, to Skinny Dipping, the podcast. Hi. Oh, that my gosh. Amazing intro. Amazing you guys for you, make channel it spirit. Easy. <laughs> yes, always channeling spirit. I mean, you guys make it so easy. Like, immediately, we've been texting, and everything was happening in divine timing, so we didn't get mm-hmm. to this till today, which is the perfect day for it. It's the day perfect that it was day. supposed to be on. And immediately, I feel so safe with you two like I just feel safe I feel safe to share I feel safe to listen I feel open to receive what is coming Mm. through what has been coming up for you guys lately like what is the common themes that are coming up in your lives right now and and what themes are you exploring Mm, I think episode 41 um, that you were just speaking on, Kayla, is something that's just been very present for us. And that episode was all about healing from the hustle and healing from the addiction to adrenaline and really identifying who am I really without all of that conditioning? Because I think for so long, I thought that hustling and that needing to work and needing to be productive was honestly a part of my personality. I thought I like working like this. I like being busy all the time. I like doing a lot of things. But that was just a survival strategy. And so for me now, my body is unlearning how to really live off of adrenaline. It's unlearning how to live in a way that used to feel really normal for me. And so I think now it's really getting deep into my body and knowing what do I actually want? What does my body actually want? What does my heart actually want? What does my spirit actually want? Not the pattern, not the fear, right? Not the ego, but what do I deep inside really want and need? And now really I think my life and my businesses are really driven by the nervous system and what I can feel somatically I uh, that feels right to me and leading just with love over fear so that's kind of really been top of mind for me Wait, mm. I literally love that that was so juicy because I was the exact same way before my spiritual awakening which uh, is an awakening every single day I'm not talking literally about yes. I'm talking about just yeah. like the beginning just like yeah. the lit fire the lit flame people think it's just like this one thing that happens or then no it's and, an and awakening it's like, right it's like you're waking up yes. more and more every day yeah literally every single day is a deep commitment to the journey of evolution and I also thought Gina, that it was a part of my personality. Like, Mm -hmm. for example, every time I hung out with a group of friends, they would be my best friends for, like, the last, like, seven years. Like, we were so close. I did feel safe with them. And yet every time we would hang out, I would plan everything. I would stress out about it. I would stress out about the weather, if people were going to be on time, like, if everything was going to go perfectly. And I just thought that was a part of my personality. I chalked it up to just 
being energetic and being bubbly and 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 being intense like I literally claimed intensity as a part of my personality before that I realized that it was like an unhealed trauma response to an unhealed nervous system not actually who I am yeah well it's funny because now when I see people who are really intense I'm like Ooh, babe, like you are so dysregulated. Like, take a deep breath because I too <laughs> used to see, I too used to see the passion, the intensity as part of my personality. And so, like Gina said, for us to retrain our bodies to feel calm and safe coming out of that sort of sympathetic nervous system state has been largely a huge ego death as well because the identity yeah. is so wrapped up in the overachieving, the constant going, right? Sitting still feels like not just a way to deprogram ourselves and feel calmer but is a threat to our identity now mm-hmm. and so what happens is when people start to try to basically retrain themselves the mind starts putting up all these stories of like how you're so lazy how you've given up how you need to keep going have you worked hard enough and so beyond just fighting the actual nervous system reprogramming you're also fighting the mind that has become so entrenched in the story that you are an overachiever you are just Mm -hmm. someone who acts this way you are just someone who operates this way you have a higher capacity than other people i remember gina and i both probably unconsciously but in some ways consciously as well we thought we were superior to other people because we could do so much in a day and that's really rewarded in our harmful culture right we say things like how do you do it like you're such a superwoman or even like super mom like you do it all and we like we like eat it up right the ego's mm-hmm. like fuck yeah i do like i do everything and i'm like better than you right because the ego's all about being superior bigger better and it's a self-protective view and mm-hmm. so giving that up felt like we were losing ourselves and so that is why it was so hard to release that fear that that anxious fight flight and coming back into safety has felt like literally like becoming a new person um but this person now moves at the speed of nature rather than the speed of technology and everything is really inspired rather than feeling like obligatory i feel like before in our life every decision was dictated by am i going to feel guilty or bad about myself if i don't do that Whereas, does this thing actually light me up and expand me? And does it give me energy before everything stole our energy? And so now, creating for our podcast, creating for our community, anything that we're doing intentionally from our hearts, it's very energy giving rather than being this energy vampire where everything was so just chaotic. Everything was so chaotic. Mm -hmm. And I remember Gina saying to me almost every single morning, oh my God, the mornings are so rushed. Every single morning is rushed. And she was so annoyed when I said, the morning is not rushed, you are. I was very annoyed. But it was (laughs) also like, oh my God, you're so right. The morning cannot be, like, it can't be rushed, right? The morning is just the morning. It's how am I approaching this day? And I started to argue about, like, the semantics of, like, yeah, but I'm in a rush to get to my daughter's school. I have all of this stuff to do. I have to pack her lunch. There is a list of things to do, but you can either do that from this very chaotic state or I can just do that in a calm state and I'll get there at the exact same time. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. In life, there are so many choices, so many decisions that we make every single day. And I know that without the support of my therapist, I don't know if I would be able to get through all of this. That is why therapy is so important for clearing out our headspace so we can make room for life's most important decisions and what really matters. And if you're thinking about giving therapy a try, BetterHelp is a great option. 
It's convenient, accessible, affordable, and entirely online. Get matched with a therapist after filling out a brief survey and literally switch therapists at any time. I got a special deal for you guys, my skinny dipping listeners. When you want to clear out the space so that you can make room through support for better decisions in your life, therapy can get you there. Visit betterhelp.com slash skinny dipping today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp.com slash skinny dipping. Check it out. And let's get back to the episode. And so it's really just adjusting, I guess, our response to things. But to kind of tack on to what Sam was saying was, I think, you know, this threat to our ego, this threat to, you know, the way that we used to live. It's also because I think there's this disbelief that you can function and achieve success without it right mm-hmm. there's this level of hyper vigilance and you were saying kayla like you planned everything you had everything figured out you went you know, 10 steps ahead that it takes a lot for someone to start trusting that if i don't if i'm not hyper vigilant like what's going to happen then will my life just fall apart will i just become lazy will i just not care um but if anything it just almost it's almost like you've muzzled yourself with the, these protectors and this trauma response but when you get to remove them it's like you're set free and you do have a higher Mm. level of energy because you're not pouring from an empty cup. You're not in depletion. You're creating from wholeness versus in a deficit. I would so many chills as you both are speaking on this because everything I'm like, yes, because I was that person and yet I still can be. Obviously healing isn't linear. So I I still do step into those programs from time to time. And yet... I do struggle with feeling the deep, intense guilt and the detox. It literally feels like a detox from drugs, like to the withdrawal. The withdrawals are so real, even to the point like TMI, but I really feel like even like my sweat and like the way that my body like releases sweat and like smells and everything after I'm stepping out. Yeah, after I'm stepping out of that place of hypervigilance and in and into a place yeah. of peace, my body is like retaliating. My body is so I guess my question for you guys from an actual point of view, especially like with what you were talking about, Gina, like you literally have another person to take care of. Like you yeah. you are a mother. No, you really are <laughs> though. And it's just like in instances where both of you have amazing flourishing businesses and so much to tend to. How do you begin to heal that hypervigilance and heal your nervous system? How do we actionably do that? Because I feel like we can talk about it all day, but what are the actionable steps that somebody can begin to take if they're like, holy shit, you're t- everything you're saying, they're like, chills, that's me. I relate to that. I also feel like I relate to the perfectionism and the people pleasing and the feeling, the need to control in order to feel safe. Mm. And how do we create safety in our bodies without that illusion of control? Mm. Um, I can speak on my experience for sure. I think the first step is really always going to be awareness, right? Awareness. And then a really beautiful analogy that one of my therapists has told me is to really think about our nervous system like an alarm. And when you're noticing the alarm going off, like just like in your house, if somebody breaks a window, your alarm's going to go off. You don't just go and run to like fix the window right away. You're going to go and turn off the alarm. And so when I'm feeling a nervous system response and a nervous system response isn't just when, yeah, someone's chasing you, right? A nervous system response can be that, oh crap, I'm going to be five minutes late. Now I feel this anxiety of I need to be on time. And once I started to to become aware of 
these nervous system responses, I could then just focus on soothing the alarm. And so soothing the alarm for everyone's going to be different. For me, it's just literally slowing down in that moment, right? I am a breathwork facilitator, so I do a lot of breath and just kind of being aware of the present moment, right? Starting to kind of name what's true, which is that we're going to be late, (laughs) and it's okay and it's okay like no one's mad my daughter's in grade two nobody gives a shit right they don't care if she's late or not no one actually cares um but i think just from a very like practical standpoint just actually sewing yourself down slowing down your breath and just signaling to your body through your mind and through your heart it's okay yeah and i think another exactly and i think another step beyond that that's sort of ties into it is also learning how to disidentify from those nervous system responses because like Gina says the alarm is going off notice she's not saying like I'm freaking out because I think a lot of us will feel those sensations and think what's wrong with me why am Mm -hmm. I feeling this way we have a lot of emotional reactivity to the first feeling so then we shoot second arrow third arrow fourth arrow and now we're creating an even more frenetic energy instead of noticing hey this doesn't mean anything about me this doesn't say anything about my personality it's not a character deficit this is not a character flaw this is just a simple sign that i'm going too fast that's it or as like gina and i say with the alarm metaphor when the alarm goes off all we have to do is go turn it off we don't make it mean oh my god is the house on fire like what do i do we know what to do we go and we put in the code and then everything is fine and so what are like your sort of codes and for gina for sure it's been breath work and for me, I I use a lot of movement. So Kayla and I are both Aries, and I have Aries sun, Aries moon. So I have to be moving. So that energy doesn't sit well with me. I can definitely practice breath work, and I practice a lot of meditation. But for me, I feel like I have to burn it. And so exercise, although it sounds so annoying to people who don't do it regularly, it's a game changer. It just, you get immediate benefits in the moment and long-term benefits. And so that's one of my methods. And then um, I know, Gina, you have breath work. And then was there anything else? I do. um, I'm also a somatic coach. So I think somatically, like I do a lot of what Sam does. I'm not naturally an exerciser. (laughs) Sam's always been working out. She's always been, you know, a ballerina and all of that kind of stuff. Uh, That was never me. Me too. but oh that's so cool um (laughs) we have so much to talk about beyond i know we're going to be talking for another hour after this um but somatically just even just slowing down closing your eyes and just asking like first of all feeling where that energy is so for me a lot of times that's kind of residing in in my heart space and just kind of feeling into my that feels really kind of dense that feels like i can almost visualize this like black circle of like smoke right and can i just like how does my body want to move that And sometimes even I'll just take my hands and try to like create space or even like open up my chest to even create more space physically in that area. So sometimes just moving your body intuitively and you're by yourself. Nobody cares what you look like. But I think just really allowing that to just naturally move, that's been really helpful for me too. And if it's a high intense emotion like anger, then yeah, the movements are going to be a little bit faster, more intense. And that kind of, it's actually like um, our last guest talked about this. She's a neuroscientist. He's talked about how animals, when they're like running away from a bear or a tiger, after they're done running away, they actually shake their bodies. Mm-hmm. And that completes the nervous system cycle. That cr- completes that arc and then back down to settling back into safety and signals to your body that it's now fine to get back into homeostasis or within the window of tolerance. Right. And we never do that part right we just often suppress and a lot of people deal with these nervous system sort of alarm bells with any sort of suppressant whether it be alcohol or smoking and so it makes 
no, it's no surprise to me that those industries are the most rich, right, mm, in our society, yeah. right? They make the most money because they quote unquote work, right, until they lose their efficacy, of course, because we don't know how to regulate our own bodies. Something else I do too is because my mind ends up racing a lot, I end up writing down all the thoughts that are happening. And then I actually sort of force myself to say them out loud. And so I can yes. hear the illusion in them. I can hear how irrational they are because they sound so legit in my mind, right? We've all had a downward spiral where we hear the mental stories, the thoughts, and we believe every single thought. And so my work is really about challenging any thought that you believe unless it serves you. It's like, if it doesn't serve yeah. you, let's bring it up to the surface. Let's challenge it. Let's inquire. Let's go deeper. Like, where'd you get this from? How long have you been mm -hmm. repeating this? And what sort of feelings and aligned actions come from this belief? And so when I hear myself telling myself those stories, I'm like, I'm freaking out. And like, this is what's going to happen. I'll actually say them out loud so that I can almost speak to myself like I'm another person. Right. Yes. Because when we're not burdened with the emotion and we hear someone else's quote unquote irrational thoughts, it's so much easier for us to advise. Right. So when Gina comes to me with a story and it's always a story, right, of how things aren't going to work out or all the fears that she has, it's so much easier for me to meet her where she needs to be met and to be the objective voice of reason. And so we need to be that for ourselves. We have to literally become mm -hmm. our own inner parent, our own inner therapist too, if you will, because if someone's not there to support us, then we will just drown in the story mm -hmm. and the emotion. Mm -hmm. And something that Gina has always said to me that's stick stuck with me for years is your story follows your state. And so this also was wow. proven by the neuroscientists because when you are in a certain state, let's say you're in a dorsal vagal state, that's actually the state that most people identify as depression, right? There's a lot of, there's little to no movement, a lot of density, even the posture, like Gina was talking about this, like your chest is going to be sort of caved in, you want to open that. But if you're in that state, all the thoughts suddenly become colored by that state. So yeah. you feel depressed, you have depressive thoughts, right? And so a lot of people need to think about changing their state, which can happen through breath, movement, thought work, right? In order to start moving that story forward. But sometimes we try to change the story before changing yeah. the state, yeah. right? We sort of go into like the why this and like why me and why is this happening when a lot of that dissolves very naturally when we shift out of the state. Yes, mm -hmm. and that's why movement for me personally is so prominent for shifting out of that state. Also, cold showers and breath work. Those yes. are like my three go-to. Also, food. Like food, like having a meal. Like I struggle with my blood sugar, which impacts like my mood and my state and my, my hormones. And I've been realizing that those are little ways that I can shift my state. And Sam, that I, I love that you talked about bringing those thoughts to the surface and saying them to yourself so that you can see the illusion in them because that's also yeah. the advice that I give to my followers but also my friends like my when my friends come to me I'm like we just need to give it some airtime. Like, for example, yes. like, I was at my friend's house a couple months ago and something really intense started coming up for her um, around sexual like aspects things that have happened in her life and she started talking about it and she all of a sudden was like oh no no, no I don't need to get into that and I was like mm. instead of having the resistance to that yeah. mental pattern and I, I just told her I was like why don't we just give it some airtime and that's like the phrase that I use is like giving it airtime we because, do too yes, yes. I, I say love, give it the mic yeah. yes give it the mic <laughs> give it the mic baby give it the airtime that it that it needs because once you start saying it out loud or reading it reading it out loud to yourself you realize that there is so much illusion in the meaning making in the stories that we are creating mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. also like you said like 
Gina coming to you and sharing what those stories are, what, what is coming up. Like that is also so important because when we share our intrusive thoughts, when we share our shames, they no longer own us. And yeah. I've just noticed that shame thrives in secrecy. So when we do share oh, yeah. whatever yeah. is mentally dwelling on us, it immediately frees something within us because we realize, oh shit, it's not real. Like it's yeah. not what I think it is. Literally, yeah. I mean, the acronym for fear is false evidence appearing real. And mm-hmm. in, in my containers and our containers together, so much of my work is basically revealing the illusions that you've been believing. I'm like, who said that? Where did you get that meaning <laughs> yeah. making? Like, did they say that? And so much of it is just unchallenged, unquestioned assumptions. And off, most often, unquestioned assumptions about ourselves. And yeah. so when we reorient the assumptions that we have about ourselves, well, then the world changes because we are the projector, right? I think of like us, if we're looking at a movie, right, that is reality, then what we're seeing is going to happen is going to be reflected by the film that's inside of us. Like, we are the projector. And so when we change what's going on in here, we see different things. And so so it's no surprise to me that after a coaching session, although nothing changed in the reality, there's a completely different sensation, story, state that follows the client out of the session because they've changed what the meaning-making was behind that. They've changed their story. They've challenged their assumptions. They've looked behind the veil, right? And now they're seeing truth, reality. And there's nothing there. There's no monster underneath the bed, right? There's no one chasing you in the closet. It's all made up. It's all made up in your own mind. Yeah. Can we talk about this addiction to adrenaline? Because when you guys discuss this, there was just so many light bulbs going off in my head being like, Okay, so like I was telling you guys, but I'll tell the Skinny Dipping listeners for a second, the tea that I've been in Oahu this month, and I'm on the North Shore of Oahu, here for the entire month. I'm here with my partner. I have some friends over here, but I don't have a lot of connections, so I've been really slow living. Like, I have just been tapping into what it means to literally wake up and be like, what do I want to do next? Mm. And I've never had that for an entire month. Like, maybe I've had that for a week, two weeks. I go out of in and out of cycles and seasons of working really hard and then like resting and I really have found some sort of balance within my nervous system because it's been about four years since I began going to therapy so now I finally feel like three to four years in is finally when I'm feeling like my body is starting to understand what it means to slow down And I don't necessarily have the mental guilt. I would also like to get into the mental guilt and like associating our worth with the hustle. But my body, I feel like is reacting to the depletion and the withdrawals from this adrenaline addiction. And I was wondering if you guys could get into that because I know, Gina, you had a really intense experience. You can share it if you want. No worries if if you want to, if you feel called to it. But I think so many people can relate to you're on the hamster wheel, you're being run by adrenaline, being run by fear, being run by I'm not good enough so I need to prove myself. And when you begin to slow down, it's like our body retaliates and it's like, I don't know. My body is like, I don't know what the fuck is going on. Like I literally swear to God, like I have like random like skin rashes. I never get that. And I'm living like a very slow, calm life. And I'm like, what's going on? Like I can tell by my smells. I can tell by my skin. Like there is a sort of detox going on now that I'm living this really slow life. And I'm like, I think my brain thinks, oh, like, why is this happening, though? Like, I've done everything that I can to, like, reset my nervous system and 
you know, but still there is this retaliation. So can you guys get into that? Because this addiction to adrenaline as a form of like what we used to use as motivation is so fascinating to me. Yeah, I mean, I always um, like in the process to decluttering your closet, right? So if you're trying to become a minimalist, you're going to take all the crap out of the closet and it looks a lot worse before it starts to look better. And so you're kind of creating almost like a spiritual Tetris within your being where you're kind of like moving things around, you're shifting things, and now there is kind of like a gap of where certain things used to live, like these patterns, these behaviors. And on a physiological level with adrenaline, when you start to get to a point where you are in survival and you're developing and creating so much more adrenaline in your body, your brain actually creates extra receptors waiting for the adrenaline. And so when you go from being on going you know, 200 miles an hour to then all of a sudden I'm just slowing down completely there is a withdrawal period your brain is literally waiting like hello hello where is the adrenaline and then the pattern comes in to start creating situations for adrenaline yeah right like I started to find myself I, I, I stepped away from you know certain business deals but then I would kind of find busyness in something else and so sometimes you're just kind of replacing one pattern for another and so I guess to anyone who is coming off of this adrenaline addiction you will feel worse before you feel better. Um, I remember when I went to go see my therapist, I said, I feel actually more tired. I'm sleeping more than I ever have, but I feel exhausted. I feel terrible. I would call Sam in the morning and say, I feel like I'm literally drunk. Like every day, that sleep inertia, like when I woke up in the morning, it didn't go away until like 5 p.m. I just felt terrible. And I remember my therapist saying, you're right on right on track, mm-hmm. right on track. Yeah. Because it kind of is like, if you just think about a car going 200 miles an hour and you just screech onto the brakes, like there is this kind of momentum that goes, and you kind of like fly forward. And that's kind of what happens internally. Yeah. And then we also learn from the neuroscientists that when you are in a perpetual sympathetic nervous system state, so that constant, like I got to do something, I'm constantly intense, anxious, right? That's actually an anabolic process or catabolic. Mm. I forget which one. Anabolic. Anabolic, right. Which is the one that literally breaks your body down. So that amount of adrenaline in your body is very useful for like, let's say, two minute period, right? Let's say you you feel a fear or you hear a sound and then you react and then you run away and then like you shake it off and now you're fine. But with that amount of adrenaline in your body for who knows, weeks, months, even years, it starts to break down your body. So when you actually decide to retreat and sort of like retrain this response, all of that energy now needs to go into restoring your body, right? We start to experience these chronic health problems, right? Mental health problems, all kinds of physical problems from this overload. And so now your body needs to go into that very restful, sluggish state to basically repair you. Like it actually needs Gina to feel that bad so that you don't get back up again it's like you're you're in recovery mode right it's like the best it can do besides the level of a coma it's like we're gonna make you so drowsy we're gonna make you so drunk so that you just like stay in bed and literally recover now the reason why this is so hard for us to do and trust is because once again we have our identity wrapped up in like constantly doing things and so we also have to get really cautious and pause to question our socialization right i heard someone say the other day i'm so useless and i was like useless to who like useless to yeah. what system, right? Because we're so used to being used, literally. Like I need to mm-hmm. use myself in order to somehow achieve, attain, you know, gain more of. And so when you stop doing that and you don't know how to continue, you're not using, right? There's a, there's a weird space, right? There's a space that kind of opens up. And so once you've sort of healed from this though, and I would say this would take 
at least a couple months because Gina, I don't think I reflected back to you, but do you remember in January when I had that like just unbearable crying spell? Like I just, I just could not stop. Like it was, yeah, it was just endless. And I thought, what is this? But it was all of that stored pent up energy just being released. And I, I could not explain it. There was not a mental reason. And I think that one of the recommendations I would make to someone who is sort of recovering from this response is it will not make sense to your mind. Because no. your, your body has its own process of reconfiguring and recalibrating. Your mind will try to judge it, right? Because I heard you, Kayla, say earlier, like, oh, like, why am I feeling this way? I'm, I'm smelling different. All, all of that's a judgment, right? Like, we're judging the way that our body is actually trying to recalibrate itself. And so the number one thing I can suggest is ignore every single story, mental judgment, narrative you have about what's going on in the body. It is always doing its best. The body is always right. I think that's something that Gina and I keep coming back to is my body is not wrong, right? But we have it been, we have learned to pathologize everything that the body does and make it a problem and medicate for this problem, right? Whereas it's really intelligent. There's a divine intelligence happening yes. within the body. It knows how to recalibrate. And frankly, it has to tell us to stop acting in this way and cause all these problems. Otherwise, we wouldn't listen. We are the exactly. most, yeah, we're the only species that can disobey the body's natural order, right? Yeah. There is a harmony to this universe and a harmony to this body. We are the only species that can move out of harmony with the universe and our own selves. And so mm-hmm. when we move out of harmony for long enough, the body will tell us. And so it's a beautiful miracle sometimes that we become sick because the sickness is the signal that we're living out of harmony. And so it's a sign for us to come back. And that process is not going to happen overnight. But we're so used to everything happening overnight. Just give me a pill. Um, just give me my prescription yeah. so I can make it happen overnight. I even remember Gina saying, like, what can I do to, like, make this, like, ha- like go faster? And I was like, you can. Yeah. Like, there's nothing totally. to make this go faster. And it's only your mind that's even judging that it should go faster. Right? It's going to yeah. take as long as it takes. It's like... It's it seems so obvious when it's like a, a physical like broken bone or something, right? That takes what six weeks, eight weeks, and like we don't really judge that. We're like that's just how long it takes, right? But for how many of us with our nervous system re- regulation, how many of us can be in the trust period of our life where we know there is a time period to this, depending on how long I've been in the state? For Gina, it was like twenty years, right? And yeah. so for you, it was yeah, I would say it was like a month, a month and a bit, and it's still sort of happening. Yeah, I was just going to say, I think the thing with this kind of healing, when you're literally healing your nervous system, um, you're you're constantly faced with the triggers everywhere you turn. Mm. In traffic, getting to an appointment on time, your business, your work, your family members need time with you. Everybody around you needs something. And so it's kind of like... I don't know, you're trying to quit smoking, but everybody around you is smoking, right? It, it's very hard then to keep going back to the, the higher timeline or the, di- the new paradigm when everybody else around you is operating on the old paradigm. Yeah. And I think that was one of the more challenging things, especially in, in, as an entrepreneur, there's so many entrepreneurs that are still go, go, go. And so that kind of triggers something in me sometimes of like, oh crap, like I got to get going again too. And it's like, no, like we're going to slow it back down again. And so I think, you know, it, it can be really challenging because it's so against the grain Um, but when you surround yourself obviously with other people who are adopting this new way of living it's become a lot easier and it's nice that I get to do a business partnership with Sam yeah and you guys can flow in an intuitive way I think to have that in a business partner is everything because I do believe we pick up things from who we surround ourselves with and I've even noticed my partner is he's way more chill like he's always been 
super relaxed, like go with the flow. But for some mm-hmm. reason, the moment I slowed down, he, <laughs> it's just the way the world works sometimes. The moment I slowed down, he started to pick up. And I was like, where did this come from? Where did this hustle come from? And I find myself like going into the guilt cycles and, and the downward yeah. guilt spiraling of being like, well, he f- seems fine. That's the thing is like people, when they're in that state, they almost seem fine because they aren't feeling, you're not going to feel your emotions when you're in that state of heightened adrenaline. You can't you're feel not, totally numb. So, yeah. so, you're numb. Exactly. So it looks like, quote unquote, everything's fine. And it's like, everything's not fine. But I'm over here feeling my feelings, crying my guts out. And I'm like, there's a part of me that's like, well, should I go back to that? And I'm like, yeah. no, knowing my truth, knowing what I actually need and knowing that I needed to step out of that for a reason. And my question for you guys is like, you were talking about the identification with the mind. And I do want to talk about the guilt and the shame that comes out of stepping out of being fueled, like the gas in your car is fear for so long and mm-hmm. kind of coming back to a place of intuition, inspiration, love, having that be the gas and the fuel that you use to fill up your car to keep going. And how do we disengage and detach from the identity of being a hustler from the identity of being that intense person or even if people can't relate to the intensity of it maybe just the perfectionism the the controlling the the equating your self-worth and the way that you feel about yourself to your accolades to your success to the way that society places you and views you how do we actionably disengage and detach from those mental identities because Mm. I feel like that is just such a big root here. It has like, there's the mind aspect, there's a soul aspect and there's the body aspect. And this one's like with the mind. Yeah. So for me, I always start with the mind. Gina sort of always starts with the body. But for me, this really starts with really deep curiosity and honesty with the self. And so asking questions like, does this work for me? Right? So Gina and I, Gina and I have really reestablished like what our true north and success is in this business, which is feeling good, right? We don't do things to feel good later. We do things from a state of feeling good. And so what we noticed about this sort of like hustle overachieving, like constantly anxious energy was that it was always believing in a future right? This Mm -hmm. illusion of the future that things were going to be better over there. And so we had to ask ourselves, like, do I actually feel good operating this way and believing that everything good is over there? And that once I finish this, this will be okay, right? And I think a lot of us have achieved a lot of things from this energy too. But notice that for most of the women, they still don't feel good. It's like they may have like, totally achieve the career success. And maybe they have the family and they have the house now and they have the cars, but they're still coming to us for help. So it's like, what's not matching up here? And that's kind of the state that Gina and I got to, or the point that we got to, where this state actually brought us a lot of traditional success. Both of us were very high achieving realtors in our local area, like top 10%. We had achieved the money that we always wanted. Gina reached like half a million dollars a year, right? And we were like, I still feel terrible. And so... I'm grateful that we got to those places from that energy so that we could realize if this is not it, right? Like I've gotten everything that I've wanted and I still feel terrible. Like I still doubt myself. I'm still afraid. I now feel like I have to maintain this. And that's because anything that we achieve from scarcity still feels like scarcity, right? Mm -hmm. Law of attraction. And so I had to start getting curious about like, does this work? And like, why am I acting this way? Like, why am I like this? But not from Mm -hmm. a judgmental lens. I had to really 
start to zoom out and see myself objectively as if I was this character. And I was like, okay, like this character, Sam, like she is constantly hustling. She constantly feels like she's in fear and has to make the next thing happen. Why? Like, why does she feel like that? Like, and when did she learn that? And so for me, a lot of my spiritual awakening was through the conscious sort of dissolution of all of the capitalist conditioning I had received. I had learned that my worth was only going to be achieved through status, gaining money, um, just producing a business, like all of these things that we learn to identify with. And I learned that that wasn't even me either. Like who taught me that? Mm-hmm. What is that? Like, what does that even mean? What do I make that mean about myself? And then I had to be, like I said earlier, honest. Like, am I happy? Right? Because what to me, the point of life is to have a purpose and be happy doing it. And I wasn't. And so I had to really take a deep look at myself and say, okay, this has been my system for this long. And I've gotten these results. But I don't feel peaceful. I don't feel happy. And I don't like where I'm at. Like this is this is not success. I looked around and I saw everything in my life that people could have identified in Gina too that looked like success, but I don't consider it success unless you have your inner peace and your happiness and your joy and your creativity. I lost all of those things. And I realized that to connect with those things, I was going to have to give up fear because creativity cannot exist in fear. Love and joy cannot exist in fear. And those were things that I was not willing to sacrifice anymore for this conditioning inside of me like I realized I was just this robot who was just programmed to produce constantly and so what's Mm -hmm. interesting is people fear that they won't produce anymore if they challenge this conditioning if they let go of this paradigm but that's completely the opposite and we kind of touched on that earlier but we create the most we ever have but it's not coming from a fearful place it's truly inspired it's truly motivated from the soul it feels like it's coming from a deeper place and it gives us energy to do it rather than taking our energy and so for me it definitely began by pausing to question my socialization and if you want a recommendation for the listeners i would definitely read the book called do nothing by celeste Mm -hmm. headley which i was resistant to reading in the first place because i was like i don't want to do nothing do nothing (laughs) right yeah right like do nothing is terrible but you actually learn there's so much even religious conditioning that's in there and i'm not even i wasn't even raised in a religious household but it's so infused in just the cultural like soup that is our society yeah and even the religious conditioning has pushed us to believe that idleness is immoral right and Mm. that productivity is virtuous right and so even just learning that i'm like wow i really learned that it was a i was a bad person for somehow not being a work a good worker right a virtuous Mm -hmm. human being and so i had to learn kind of what is good and what is bad and you know you said guilt earlier how do i avoid the mental guilt well we have to get really curious about where guilt come from guilt is conditioning right we are taught as human beings what is good and what is bad And so when we feel guilty about something, we've been taught that something is bad. And so we have to get curious and conscious about that. What is the thing that I am believing to be bad? And does it serve me to believe that this is bad? And we get to choose as conscious human beings what we believe is good and bad. We can be our own compass. And so for us, we learned not working bad, right? (laughs) And so I had to get really curious about that. Like, is not working bad? Like, kids don't work right? Elderly people don't work, right? Does this make them less valuable humans because they don't work? They don't contribute to society. Maybe they contribute to society in other ways, right? Is the only way to become valuable to be a worker? And a lot of that's also a result of the industrial period, right? We learned that the only way to have value was to get paid for work, 
right? Yeah. And we also devalued women who didn't work. And so notice there's so mm-hmm. much conditioning now that work is value. Work makes me valuable. And so to take a step back from that and say, take a sabbatical or a restful period in your life feels like you are challenging your own human value. And it's all an illusion. It's all a fallacy. Your human value is there from the day you are born, from before you were born, right? And until you die, it does not increase or decrease depending on how much you work. And what's so insidious about this is that if you have this paradigm condition within you, you learn that the more you work, you begin to judge other people for not doing the same. So now the more you work, the more you produce, the more money you make, oh, now your ego thinks you're superior to people who don't. Now you're judging the homeless people on the street, right? And so it's interesting that if you don't question this paradigm, you become someone who actually continues to perpetuate it and judge people and keep because you're constantly measuring, yeah, and keep the illusion of separation. Measuring everybody else and measuring yourself up against everybody else, you know, to kind of take on to that. I think for, I think the questioning has to be first. You know, it's really asking yourself like, why do I even want this? Like my whole thing was always, I need to double my business every year. Right? Like Like, why? But then I was like, but why? Like why? Like Like, why? Yeah. But it's like no. I was like, I'm gonna do it. And my whole thing, like I loved making big goals because my whole strategy was, I'm just not gonna stop until I get it. And so I know I can make it because I just won't stop. And that was my baseline. Like that was my normal kind of calm state. You know, of this. I'm going to make it and I'm going to make it happen. And that for me obviously started a lot as a child. I didn't really have any praise from my parents, you know? So I think as uh, an immigrant Asian family, you know, me doing really well wasn't really to gain love. It was like, okay, I'm not going to get in trouble then, right? It's like if I can just do really well and perform really well, at least they won't like yell at me, right? So it's kind of like chasing away from feeling bad or thinking that someone's going to think something bad about me. Now, when I became a mom, all of these, all of this conditioning that we're also used to, be, to became very illuminated for me. Because even when it came to my daughter, you know, taking an art class, right? Or she was actually in a speech class. So she was learning how to give speeches at, at like five years old, just to like teach them how to speak in front of people and um, share their ideas. And I remember she was so nervous about giving this speech. And it was so interesting because it was kind of like around the same time where I was trying to do things that were scary for me too but the conversation I was having with myself was so different than the conversation with her for me I was like you better do good you better be good at this and why do you suck so bad look at everybody else but I couldn't imagine saying that to my daughter of like did you see them they didn't make any mistakes like look at you I didn't do that right success for my daughter was just trying success for her was just showing up And that's what I told her. And I said, wait, why can't that be success for me? And she started to repeat some of the things that I would say, like, oh, it's not okay. You know, it's not okay that I don't do this or it's not okay. And she started to kind of emulate this inner self-talk that I was inadvertently kind of influencing her with. And that really changed things for me. Um, I think my segue or my gateway into having more positive self-love was what would I say to my daughter? You know, when she's thinking, I need to be perfect. I got to be as good as them. I got to do this. Like, what would I say to her? I wouldn't be like, yep, <laughs> like, you better do that, right? It was more like, no, like, you're you're on your own path. What is success for you? And I have those conversations with her all the time. And for me, success was really allowing me to be who I really am. Success for me was no longer putting that pressure on me. Failure to me is now not being myself, right? Failure is not liking who I am. 
Um, success for me is not about the paycheck. It's not about the money. It's none of those things. That chasing something just for the money or the optics is the ultimate failure for me now. And so having yeah. that kind of north star, that compass to guide you of what is success. And the baseline for me, like I said, is do I, am I happy? Do I like who I'm being? Do I like who I am? Am I enjoying myself? Like that's pretty much my, my main and only criteria. I love that. And that is so beautiful reflecting that in that moment with your daughter, it it is such a wake up call that the impact that you have, the impact that your words have, the impact that your energy has doesn't just affect you, but it affects your daughter. It affects the collective. And Mm -hmm. I feel like that also creates motivation of love and connection for me is knowing that when I learn how to show up as my authentic self, I inspire literally everybody to do the same. My friends, my family have deeply changed since I've deeply changed. And sometimes I think it's easier to see what we want for other people than what we see for ourselves. And that's why having that lens to look through with your daughter is so beautiful or through your best friends or through your family members and being like, when I heal this within myself, I allow everyone the opportunity to heal and I think that is the motivation that we need because when I'm motivated from a place of excitement and love and connection, it is just so deeply authentic, the energy that I'm creating. Like it's not fault. It's, it's not forced. It's not false. Mm, it, mm-hmm. it, it's coming from a place that's, that's real, that's authentic. So I love that you said that. And I guess what's coming up for me is like this, this nuanced moment that when you begin to heal and then you step into more intuitive living being able to flow with your cycles especially as a woman knowing when it when it is time there is a time for me personally that with my aries fire energy there is times that i do authentically push like it's not even a push it's just like energetically like i i have more energy to give and it's an activation an activation exactly the activation Mm -hmm. the fire element coming in hot and then knowing when the cycle is at its time to slow down. And for me, what has happened is I've swung all the way to the other end of the pendulum, and I've done this a couple times, and that's why I really wanted to ask you guys this question today. So I was a hustler forever, and then I began to heal, and I've gone through periods where, like, for three months at a time, like, I will just be, like, so in my divine feminine energy, in my flow, in my fluidity, in my creativity, really not obeying any sort of like time schedule or anything like that no and then going all the way back where I'm like I need more discipline like because I love the divine masculine energy too like in its healed self the divine masculine energy of decisiveness and security and stability and in in an authentic way is beautiful Mm -hmm. like I love discipline when it comes from a place of love and when it comes from a place of authenticity and I've been struggling a little bit with knowing I get all the way to the other end so I'm not even talking about the hustle side I'm talking about the side where I'm almost afraid okay let me find the words for this I feel like when I step into the divine feminine and I'm in that couple month period where I am intensely in my flow in my creativity and I'm Mm -hmm. lacking certain aspects of discipline I don't necessarily like that either. Like, I love balance. So I feel like for me personally, I'm like, how do we continue to find inspiration and energy and find that balance of discipline 
and flow after healing this because I feel like for me what comes up is almost a resistance to going back to any sort of type of discipline and structure because I knew that that was painful for me before but how do I create a life where that discipline can be healthy or is that even possible like that's where I'm like trying to pick off the nuances here Mm -hmm. because I'm like I've experienced being on the other end where I'm so in my flow so just like literally not operating on anyone else's time schedule and yet that doesn't really work for me either that doesn't leave me Mm -hmm. happy and fulfilled either I feel like there is something missing yeah Yeah, that's like avoidance, right? It's fear. It's like, well, I don't want to go back. I don't want to go back into that rhythm. And so what I would say is there's definitely qualifier questions, just like with anything. Like you can be in a toxic relationship and then say, I don't want to be in relationships ever again. It's like, but that's that's fear too, right? So you can be in relationships, but have a very clear idea of what type you want your what type of relationships you want to have. And so with us, after healing this fear based response, largely we have some qualifying yeah. questions based on the projects or people that we want to have in our lives or the things that we want to do. And a lot of it comes down to: Does it light me up and give me energy? And does it feel inspired, or does it feel like obligatory and like I'm doing it out of guilt? And do I feel afraid if I? what happens if I don't do it and so anything that feels like fear and guilt is a no for me it's like Mm because anything I get from that energy is going to feel the exact same anyways it doesn't actually clear my guilt it doesn't clear my fear it just maintains it right it's kind Mm -hmm. of like we talked about drugs earlier and how you really are withdrawing you know feeling that phase of withdrawing from something you will feel terrible but (laughs) Going to do drugs doesn't solve the problem. It just continues to perpetuate the problem. And so mm-hmm. you have to totally wean yourself off from that fear motivation completely and then really just have some sort of qualifying questions to ensure that you are really acting in alignment so that you don't stop doing anything. And trust me, you're in Aries, I'm in Aries. The inspiration energy never stops. Like the longest yeah. I've ever mm-hmm. been in like divine feminine, I'm doing nothing is like two weeks. Like you just you yeah. just come out of it because just like being in a sympathetic hyperactive state you can't stay in that for a long time just as much as you can't stay in the opposite of the pendulum swing like your body wants balance too and so you will find that naturally but i think to mm-hmm. avoid staying in a fear sort of contracted state of like oh i don't want to go back so i'm just going to completely stay in this like blissful nothingness is to have <laughs> yeah. is to stay in as to actually confirm for yourself like what are my parameters for deciding to take something on right mm-hmm. and so for us we feel so privileged that now the work that we do none of it feels like it's out of fear none of it is guilt none of it is negative uh, motivation all of it is let's see what could happen we're open to the possibilities and we're happy with nothing happening i think that's the biggest difference is if we do this and the only thing that ever comes from it is that me and you got to create it and like no one signs up and like no we're like we're doing it for the experience if we are doing this for a result it's a no Oh my God. Well, I that love is that. the winning result. Right? Yeah. Like that for us is winning. Again, like redefining that success and failure. Success for us is getting to do this together. Everything else is a bonus. Um, and I think also the word discipline can be really like triggering for a lot of people. I think the discipline sounds like very, like, I don't know. It sounds like you're in a prison it or like, like your parents Daddy. are getting. and coming in and being like yeah it just sounds like very strict it sounds limiting it sounds like you're in a cage whereas I really have started to adopt the word devotion Mm. Um, devotion to your business devotion to your your calling and in your purpose right and I think you know one of the things that I teach my clients is I talk a lot about like spiritual business and I have learned to personify my business you are in a relationship with your business your business is 
a being. It has its own spirit. And so really communicating with your business and asking your business, like, how do you feel? What do you want to create? Um, and really kind of taking yourself out of it. There's something about that that for me helps me to see a little bit more clear when I'm talking to my business instead of just talking to myself. And I think the other thing, too, that um, has really blown my client's mind is when you start to think about yourself in really two roles in your business, right? Most people get into business or a creative role because they want the freedom and I want to be my own boss. But then you go and be your own boss and you become like the boss that you would quit on. Oh, my right? gosh. Yes. Be- when you said you that become in the episode, the- I was like, I literally wrote it down. Becoming the employee <laughs> for the boss you don't want to work for. Yeah. I wrote it in my yes. notes because I was like... Uh, I do that to myself. I'm like, yeah, all of a you're a terrible boss. Prison warden <laughs> to myself, and I'm yes. like, you suck for not getting this done. And it's like, ouch. <laughs> <laughs> totally. And so when you ask yourself, like, I need more discipline, or if you're noticing, hey, like, I think I need a little bit more structure. Maybe that would be supportive for me. Ask yourself as employee, how would I want the leader of my dreams, like the CEO, my my dream boss, how would I want them to help me to create this? What kind of questions would I want them to ask me? And then you ask yourself that. Um, I'm in the exact same boat, Kayla, because I used to have everything planned out to the minute for like the next 10 years. And now I like barely know what I'm doing today. (laughs) And it's a little bit unsettling sometimes because I'm so, I can feel my pattern keep trying to reach to keep planning for the future. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that, but again, asking yourself, asking your spirit, asking your heart, like, does this feel good to me? And I think, you know, Abraham Hicks talks about this all the time. It's like really just using your emotions and your response to that stimuli as your compass. How does it feel? Right. It does creating this really structured schedule feel, you know, too constricting. Does that feel forceful or does it actually feel like, oh, this is helpful for me? Mm-hmm. Right. My daughter loves to have structure. She likes to kind of know, hey, we're going to be leaving in 30 minutes. That helps her to prepare that. OK, we're coming to a close for some kids. They might freak out when you give them a timeline. Right. So really honoring and and experimenting with their own boundaries. We're redeveloping this trust and this relationship with ourselves. We have been ignoring ourselves for pretty much our whole life and in order to develop a level of trust with someone that you've been ignoring for a long time you're going to have to show up over and over and over and keep on nurturing it keep on asking asking questions showing it that you care and so i think it's an ongoing process just like it is for a parent every day is different my daughter's needs are different every day and we're the same just like a dog or a cat right your pets are not the exact same every day they might eat a little bit less they might want to go outside a little bit more one day so really just tuning in into the moment what is my need right now what would feel good to me right now and just starting to talk to yourself curiosity is key it sounds like you guys have these almost set questions that you can go back to like your basics and i feel like that's so important because that does give our ego mind the security that it needs that you know what we can have some sort of game plan some sort of questions that we come back to do I feel energized do I feel inspired do I feel like I'm moving towards pleasure or away from pain like checking in with those inner statistics and almost being like how does this feel for me I see you guys living in curiosity which I absolutely Mm -hmm. love and then I also see you guys living in intentionality which is so potent and so beautiful It's just like if we live every moment intentionally, checking in with your business, checking in with your family, checking in with yourself, 
that's when we live mindfully. Like, and it's just yeah. like, I think so too. it doesn't have to be like so big and so complicated. Yeah. It's literally so simple. Like it's, it's so, like, so simple. Oh, in this moment, I'm just going to check in. Like I'm just going to check well, in. Well, yeah, I think curiosity and compassion. I mm-hmm. think those have to be combined because I think mm-hmm. sometimes we can get curious and try to like, Poke at ourselves. Um, yeah. And almost like yeah. try to, what's the word? Um, like, what does a doctor do? diagnose diagnose like oh this is what's wrong with me and let me find the solution right and i think the key is um really just seeking to understand right i'm just always seeking to understand like what's going on and i think again going back to the nervous system it's like if i'm starting to feel unsettled like i don't know like am i being too feminine am i not having enough structure that is also a nervous system response so then it's asking yourself what is my body perceiving as a threat here like what what is my body seeing that in my heart I'm not seeing and most of the time it is like oh well if I'm too slow will I lose momentum if I'm too slow am I not going to find success or whatever that is and when you can seek to understand what that perceived threat is then it's a lot easier to turn off that alarm yeah and I think also too like Gina and I have really redefined what success is for us and we talked a little bit about this but it's feeling good it's very basic, yeah. yeah. right? So if the work that we are about to do or engage in is not going to feel good, then there's no result that's worth it because we want to mm-hmm. enjoy the journey. Mm-hmm. The journey is the best part. And yes. it is so beautiful being able to live our lives with such intention. And like you said, it's very simple. Like sometimes we'll hop on a call, whether it's just the two of us or a podcast, and sometimes we'll ask the wrong question, which is what are we going to talk about, right? Yeah. And then we always change it and we go, wait, what is our intention behind this? What do we intend for listeners yeah. to learn? What do we intend to learn about ourselves? And then all of a sudden the answers come through because we're asking the right questions or qualifying the experience instead of mm-hmm. doing it from this like right, wrong, should, shouldn't sort of paradigm. Like everything is right and spirit always comes through. We just need to be asking oh. the right questions. Mm. Wow. And for you guys, I would love to leave the listeners with an actionable step that they can kind of tap into. And I think that what you guys are talking about would be perfect like one or two questions that people that maybe don't know how to ask the right questions for themselves what would be those one to three questions that they could write down right now in their notes app so when they are beginning to feel triggered or or confused or frustrated or um overstimulated or in in their adrenaline rush or or whatever it is like whatever is coming up for them intuitively what questions Mm -hmm. can they go back to like one to three questions that they can use to become more curious with compassion and and live with more intentionality i would love to give people a question that they could really use because i feel like sometimes people don't know how to ask the right question so if you don't know how do you know you know (laughs) <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if you don't know, how do you know, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I love that. I think what the first question I always ask myself and Sam is what is the unmet need or what is the need here? And kind of continuously asking and going deeper because at first it might be like, well, I just need more money. It's like, okay, well, what's the need behind that? You know, and kind of like, why does that hurt you? Or why is that, you know, causing you pain or what's underneath that? And kind of going further into the layers. Um, I know for you, Kayla, I watched one of your videos that I totally resonated with that talked about how you're not allowed to use like angry anymore. Um, Because when, because I'm the same way, I'd always say, I'm just mad. I'm just mad. But it's like, what's underneath that? What's the unmet need behind your anger? Or asking, what do you need? And a very simple question is asking yourself, 
how are you doing? Mm. And actually saying it out loud and asking your body, body, how are you doing? Asking your heart, how are you doing? And seeing what comes up. A lot of times I just journal like a conversation where I'll be like, I don't know, I'm feeling really frantic. Oh my gosh. And how does that feel? And then writing the response from there. And what do you need now? Writing the response from that and letting that like again giving that giving it the mic a a mic giving it the mic let it say everything it needs to say um but i think starting with how are you because we don't really ask ourselves that and it sounds like the dumbest question ever but when you actually ask yourself in that moment it's like i'm just not okay and then you just have this huge release right think about that anytime somebody asks when you're like on the verge of tears like are you okay it always is what bubbles over the emotion but we're we're waiting for somebody to ask us that we're waiting for other people to help fix us but no one outside of you nothing outside of you will ever save you like you save you more money won't save you more clients won't save you you know a number one podcast won't save you like you save you but in order to do that you have to first seek to understand what's really going on so that you can meet yourself where you need to be met Mm. snaps chills yeah obsessed okay those were such good questions for questions i'm writing them down right now yeah to address yourself when you are not feeling safe within your own body and uh, when you're dysregulated but i think another i have a different question to add to that when it comes to being stuck in the shoulds right like should i do this should i do that right i i I, the first thing i teach my clients is there is no such thing as right or wrong like there's no way to mess up what i ask instead is would i still do this if i could never see the result everything is a legacy play everything and so for Gina and I, everything we put our hands on, it's like, I literally don't care what happens to this. And not in like a flippant, yeah. not putting intention behind it, but we are doing it for the experience itself. We are putting every mm-hmm. part of ourselves into it. We're not waiting for a result. We're not waiting for the future to save us. We're not waiting for our ego to get drunk off whatever the result is. The result is the creative process. And so yeah. would I do it? if I could never see the result. And there's a lot of people who would say no. And there are many times when I have to be honest with myself about that answer. I remember when Gina and I were initially friends, I was frantically trying to train for uh, a full marathon. Like my (laughs) ego was like, I am running a marathon in under four hours. Like it was like this thing I was so attached to, but my body hated it and I hated it. And then one time she just asked me like, do you actually want to do that? Like what if no one could know? And I was like, oh, well, I definitely want to do it. Like I don't, if, and like you I, couldn't ever talk about it ever. Like yeah, if, if I you can, couldn't like yeah. boost the ego by talking about it and being like, I did that. Like, I would never do it. And so yeah, totally. it's a great benchmark for me because when it comes to the podcast or like me even writing my book, I'm like, I would do it regardless. Like mm, I like doing yeah. it. And I think yeah. that is really what we keep trying to teach people is like that's you living in your passion and your purpose is to enjoy mm. it and do do it yes. joyfully. I love that. And and to add on to that, I'm going to steal something that you taught me, Sam, which is to change like anything that says like I have to and change the have to I desire to and see if it's true. Yes. Right. Like I have to do a podcast today. And if you flip that to I desire to and if that's true, then you're like, all right, I want to do that. Right. But versus, oh, I have to, you know, take this client because I feel bad. And when you say, I desire to take this client, you're like, I actually don't desire to take this person yeah. on. The so that out. flipping of words, yeah, has really helped out. me too. It always comes out. <laughs> it always does. Yes. So yes. where can everyone find you guys and your amazing podcast? I love just soaking everything in. I think everyone knows, like, I'm such a chatterbox. But today, like, I was just, like, sitting in the presence of who you guys are and just, like, <laughs> soaking it in because... 
I honestly, like, sometimes I'm like, damn, like, I don't find many people that can, like, keep up with, like, my train of thought and, like, how fast my mind moves, but I'm like, your minds go so quickly and I'm obsessed. Like, I'm just like, yeah. I've just was, have been just, like, soaking in all the juiciness that you guys have been sharing with us today. So thank you so much. And where can people find more of you? Because I know the skinny dipping listeners are going to be like, okay. Next episode, <laughs> June and Sam spiraling higher. I need to listen to it right fucking now. Well, that's definitely the first place we would recommend you go to is for any podcast platform where you listen to your pods, where you listen to Skinny Dipping. You can find us at Spiraling Higher. That's also our Instagram handle, and you'll see our two personal handles there on the bio link. And then you can also join our free community. We're actually announcing something really special next week. We have not even have we even dropped like the sneak peek message or anything no okay every nothing. yeah this is like just days before you're hearing it here first yeah. okay cool <laughs> so to find Tell- out about that follow yes. spiraling higher on instagram listen to the podcast join the free community the, the bio or whatever link is on there all the buttons are there you It'll guys know below. how to work social I'll- media yeah yes. yeah 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 yes. i'll put everything below people can just find everything linked in the show notes Thank you amazing. so much, Kayla. This amazing. was absolutely fantastic. We love you. You guys are And our amazing. first interview together. So this was truly a manifestation come true. And we, it needed to be you. So oh. thank you. Literally, thank you for allowing me to facilitate this conversation. Because you guys are both amazing. And together, truly, you guys are magic. Like, I... I don't know. You guys just like put some sort of magic in the in the in the sauce. <laughs> like, in the sauce. In the sauce. No, for real though. Like when you guys are together, it's electric, and I feel like that is something mm-hmm. that's so unique and so special, and something to deeply hold on to and cherish. And I just am so excited to see what's to come for you guys. Me getting emotional, but I'm like for real though. You guys have something so special, and I am so excited that we are connected now because I have been connected yes. to you from afar yes and now it's like okay thank god like we're able to connect like face to face and soon i'll probably be in vancouver and oh. where, where, where are you based you know i'm in vancouver too. okay okay yeah yes so my like all my friends like they all live in vancouver from uvic so yeah. i oh, need to go wow. back I, I was supposed to go in july and then i ended up coming here but it's definitely on my list to come before the end of the year because I like miss I miss Canada so much mm. I'm a Canadian citizen so that's what? why I went to school there because my mom's from Toronto so that's why it was like affordable for oh, me to go wow. to school at UVic so so I will definitely see you guys so in person soon and we'll take dance class promise yes absolutely yes. oh my god I <laughs> yes. can't wait thank you so much Kayla honestly yeah we've been feeling so deeply connected to you for for months and I'm just happy that the planets aligned and that we are here now and yeah thank you for hosting the space it was such a beautiful co-creation yeah no thank you you guys literally shed so much wisdom for us I'm amazed why don't you both give us your final thoughts and then we will say goodbye oh just like yeah your final thoughts like looking back at this conversation if you wanted to leave everyone with just like one last piece Mm. of gold and or just intention whatever you feel like giving this i think my desire for everyone is to cultivate a deep sense of unconditional self-love like that is my highest calling it is not the business it is not any status thing it's not that how can I love myself unconditionally when you have that you have literally everything so that's what I hope to impart on my daughter and on everybody that I work with oh thank you wow 
Okay, I can't believe I can't believe you said that because I was basically going to say that I want <laughs> you to become your own best friend and then you will never need love from the outside. Wow. Yes. Oh, bye guys. Bye. bye. Warmer, sunnier days are calling, so fuel up with them with factors, no prep, no mess meals. If you are like me, sometimes you can forget to feed yourself when you're super busy, and that's why I love Factor. Factor's fresh, never frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, you'll always have time to enjoy nutritious and great tasting meals. With 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week, you'll always have new flavors to explore and you can have as little or as much as you want every single week. And if this interests you at all, I'm going to give you guys 50% off only for skinny dipping listeners. So head to factormeals.com slash skinny50 and use code skinny50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. Win-win. That's code skinny50 at factormeals.com slash skinny50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Go check it out. It'll make your life so effortless and nutritious. As the weather is getting warmer, it's time to say goodbye to jackets and sweaters and hello to shorts and tees. I've wanted to update my wardrobe for the long haul and I don't want to spend a fortune. I'm constantly wearing the 100% washable silk slip dress and people ask me all the time where I got it from. I've also now got a lineup of timeless pieces that keep me looking on trend year after year. By partnering directly with top factories, Kintz cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to us. And Kintz only works with factories that use safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes, which you know is so important to me when it comes to clothing brands. Get warm weather ready with Kints. Go to kints.com slash skinny dipping for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash skinny dipping to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Kints.com slash skinny dipping.